my wife had approached me. Um, her name is Lizzie. She is a firecracker filled with passion. She's an entrepreneur. She's an artist. She's a dreamer. Two dreamers married each other, which is a crazy dynamic. Let me tell you, that's <laughs> um, totally awesome. Uh, so she, um, she approached me as I was on the field one night in, in a tractor. And she was like, look, I, I think that this is the best time um, in my life to open up a cafe. This has been my dream. We have one kid. I don't think there's ever going to be a better time. Like, let's let's step out on it. Welcome to At The Heart Of It, a podcast where we talk about life, celebrate creativity, and champion entrepreneurship by getting to the heart of the why behind what we do. I am your host, Bright Beauty, and I am so glad that you have joined me today. This podcast, I'm really excited about it. Um, the entire concept, the entire idea of this podcast has been percolating in my mind for a long period of time, and I've been fortunate enough to meet a ton of creative and inspiring people that we're gonna have on the show and we are going to chat with and get to the heart of the why behind what they do. And hopefully you can learn a little bit uh, from their experiences. And I know I will be. I will be learning as much as I can and trying to absorb as much as I can from all of these amazing guests. And I hope that you do as well. We'll be chatting with artists, with entrepreneurs, with problem solvers, and really trying to get a better understanding of how they think and what their thought process is. And I'm really excited today because the first person that we're going to chat with and the first guest ever on the At The Heart Of It podcast is, I'm fortunate enough to call him a dear friend. I'm really excited that he's here. Um, But he checks pretty much every single box when it comes to creativity, entrepreneurship, and uh, the why. If you are uh, familiar with Canadian country music at all, you will definitely have heard his music. And he's the lead singer of the Hunter Brothers, which he's in a band with the other four of his brothers, which is amazing. And we not only talk about music, we talk about entrepreneurship, where he started a cafe with his wife. And we also talk about his experience of growing up with four brothers. We also talked about his experience with farming. We chat about a lot of different things in this episode, which is really exciting. And I'm so glad that he was able to join us for the first episode of At the Heart of It. So without further ado, here is my interview and my conversation with Ty Hunter. Welcome to At The Heart Of It, where we talk about life, celebrate creativity, champion entrepreneurship, and get to the heart of the why behind what we do. I'm your host, Bright Beauty, and today I am joined by somebody that I am so grateful I get to call a friend. Uh, Not only is he a very successful artist, songwriter, performer, but also farmer and entrepreneur. So I am so excited. Ty, thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you so much for having me, Brighton. That was like the nicest intro I've ever had. So, although <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's not the case. A farmer. That's like, that's a stretch. I've been on a farm. It's part of the idea. You know. Hey, I have seen you farming. I've seen, I, yeah. you have sent me Snapchats and images, I think, belting some Leaving Thomas songs in the combine. So I think that <laughs> constitutes you being a farmer, which I love. <laughs> just kiss about it, man. Just where it's at. <laughs> yeah, just kiss about it. I love it. Um, I was actually trying to think about this yesterday. 
was where we first actually met. The two, the two meetings or crossing of paths that I remember having was one at the CCMAs. I think it would have been in Hamilton. You're wearing, and the other was in Whitehorse. Blue suit. Yes, I remember. Yes, like like the best dressed guy here. And then you came up, and it was it was just like immediate. I don't know. It was it was so cool to yeah. I was there, and then at that uh, at the concert, um, you and I think it was Whitehorse. White court. White court. Court. <laughs> Not horse. Court. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we were like doing a whole like Whitney Houston get up with Annika. And I was like, yes. yeah, yeah. Like you, you had moves. We, well, I, that's a stretch for me. <laughs> um, yeah. It was Annika that was the one that choreographed the dance. I just went along with it. So, I love um, it. yeah, but I, but I, it was Really interesting how I think, you know, I was super appreciative that you just like reached out and was like, hey, would love to continue to like chat and kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm super grateful that we've been able to have, you know, hour and a half, two hour long chats over the last, you know, few months. And it's been so great, especially during this time with COVID and everything, being able to just chat with somebody about life. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like those conversations are, are few and far between right now. And, uh, those have definitely been, been great for me. And that's honestly exactly why I wanted to, to have you on as the first guest of, of, uh, at the heart of it. So I'm excited to, to dig into those, to those, uh, conversations a little bit more, but, um, before we get started, I guess for, for anybody who doesn't know you, um, you're, you know, lead singer of the Hunter Brothers, which you're in the band with your brothers, which is amazing. Um, why don't you kind of share a little bit about, you know, the musical journey and, and uh, you know, building your your star and also being able to share that with with your brothers? What is what has that been like? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, thank you very much for having me as your first guest. I just want to say, too, in response to what you had to say, it has been amazing being able to share a friendship where we can pick up exactly where we left off and talk about whatever with no filter. Yeah. And I've always appreciated yeah. that we've always had a mutual respect for one another. So I was very excited to join you today. Um, you know, I think when it comes to the music journey, uh, music has just been part of my DNA. Um, literally was born into it. There's video footage of my mom pregnant with me on stage. Um, so I was not born on the stage, but I was basically <laughs> music. Pretty close. Um, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it was it was very close, but as close as you can get. And, you know, we have footage of me uh, in these little moments where I would introduce the entire family because you didn't want me singing into a microphone. And if they didn't give me the mic, I would sit in the back and make faces at the crowd. And I'm pretty sure they were watching me at that point and not the rest <laughs> of the group. But um, so it was just something that um, I grew up with. You know, every summer we would travel to about eight different festivals every single Single weekend, uh, we would do the Southern Gospel circuits, primarily in Western Canada. Some into the states. Um, everybody would play hockey in the winter time, so the guys played at various levels. My oldest brother JJ went as far as uh, playing exhibition games with the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, so it was kind of uh, this crazy lifestyle where we would play hockey in the winter, farm, uh, put the crop in the ground in spring. I was going to school obviously at that time, and then everybody would pile into our massive. Two- two-toned van and travel to 
all these different uh, festivals all over Western Canada. Um, and so there was definitely a premium put on time usage for us as kids. Um, it was important to our parents that we utilized every minute of every day. Um, Dad had us memorize a poem called Life is Just a Minute. I'll, I'll actually say it because um, it's still yeah, go for in it. my mind. So life is just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon you, can't receive it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it, give an account if you abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. So that was mm-hmm. like what we were all taught as kids. And we lived, you know, this crazy lifestyle. Um, I don't regret being busy as a kid. I think there were certain experiences where maybe we didn't, um, you know, get to do some of the things that our friends were doing. But at the same time, I'm very, very grateful for parents who are traveling with seven different hockey teams with five kids at one time. I don't, I honestly don't know how they did it. I have two girls of my own right now and I have no idea how they facilitated (laughs) that schedule. So um, then music just kind of continued to morph and change. We had um, reached a point where we were singing um, with... Um, Some amazing groups in the gospel realm. We performed on NQC um, National Quartet Convention in Louisville, Kentucky, um, which is probably the biggest festival for Southern gospel in the state. Um, It was a convention, Mm -hmm. and um, we were one of two Canadian groups who were honored to be able to perform on the main stage. And we just kind of felt in our hearts as brothers that we wanted to start singing to a younger demographic. We were singing to people who were typically, I would say, 50 years and older. Um, And we just kind of thought, hey, we kind of want to sing to people that are more in our age group. Not that we minded that. It was just uh, just kind of a shift in our heart. Um, And so we kind of went through a few genre changes and ultimately Mm. wound up in country which makes total sense with the farming background, with the hockey background, with the small town background. And when we released Born and Raised to radio, it was just like everybody latched onto the story and it was like it all just kind of made sense because we had to find Mm -hmm. a genre too where the harmonies could come out um, in, uh, in the way that we wanted them to. And there were definitely some struggles getting to that point. I'm sure we'll dive into that, but um, it wasn't an easy road to arrive where we're at today that's for sure um as you know the music industry is one of the most you know crazy industries farming and music and the fact that we did both of them were just crazy um because it is so unpredictable um but yeah that was kind of uh just kind of a generic uh pathway of the journey and when i was little they used to mark on the paper that my mic had to be on or off for specific songs. So if it was <laughs> a song that I had a solo in, they would turn my mic on. And if it was a song that I did not have a part to play in, then my mic was muted. And I think after a while, I was just like, no, 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 I want to, I want to sing all the time. So I, <laughs> yeah. Quit turning my mic on. I think it was like, you know, youngest <laughs> brother situation. I was like, I'm just yeah. work my way to the front. And eventually they realized that I was probably, you know the most passionate about performing itself and so i just wound up 
being the lead singer, but all five of us are still in the band. All of us actually um, have different vocal registers, which is also crazy. Our mom taught us how to sing harmony as little kids. And Dusty sings way up in the stratosphere all the way down to Brock, who sings the bass. So we have five parts oftentimes um, when we're singing live. And, um, And nobody had to arm wrestle over their instruments. Everybody picked a different one. So, That's what I think is so fascinating, though, is is that you, you just have a full band, like naturally. And I was going to ask that was was there ever, you know, a, a conversation of, you know, OK, you know, Luke, you have to play the bass because we need a bass player. Like, was that ever a conversation or it did it just naturally happen that way? No, I, I think it just kind of fell in, in into place. We all started on piano. Um, our mom was really good by uh, at playing by ear, but she really wanted to um, give us the best chance that we could have. Like, she sacrificed a lot of her dreams so that we could do music. I mean, both our parents, really. But she really wanted us to learn the technicalities of music. And so she uh, put us in piano lessons right from little. I started when I was five. Um, I remember begging to be in piano because all my other brothers were doing it. So we used that as the base foundation um, and then everybody branched off to their respective instruments uh, Dusty to drums, JJ to acoustic, Brock to electric, uh, Luke to bass. I stuck to the piano, tried mandolin for a brief period of time because I wanted to transfer <laughs> into fiddle. Didn't pursue that as far as I probably <laughs> could have and just wound up that, you know, performing was the thing that I love doing. So my mic stand is many times my instrument. There you go. That I I love that. It's it's funny. I was spending a little bit of time doing just a little bit more research on on your journey with the Hunter Brothers and everything. Oh, and I came across a video of I think it was Dusty that auditioned for Canadian Idol. Yes, he did. And I just see you couldn't have been more than like nine. I, I don't know how you, how old you are, but I there's this little clip of you just sitting at the dinner table, and and I think it's Luke. JJ and Dusty. It's like, that yes. Was, that was yeah. my cameo on television. Like, <laughs> that's a lifestyle shot of the younger brother. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Which is, which is where I'm going is I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm the oldest of three, so I can't imagine being the youngest of five. I have no comprehension of, of what that experience is like, but what was that like having, you know, four older brothers to look up to? and and see the journey that they're going on and and what type of you know motivation was was that for you growing up yeah that's a great question um i think being a youngest child has a very specific vantage point as does being an oldest sibling or a middle yeah. child and that's something i'm really um understanding the more i walk through life i i love studying personality types and i love learning about people's stories and their narratives and their whys in many ways um but something that i've noticed as i've just you know done a lot of research or actually it hasn't been intentionally doing research so much as it has been just having conversations with fellow youngest siblings and some of the language that they'll use or some of the things that um you know are easy for them or don't come as naturally to them are as a result of being the youngest sibling so it has those challenges but in my case being able to look up to four older siblings um i i don't know where i'd be if i didn't have them honestly like i i just respect them all for so many different reasons um you know they're stand-up guys and um it's interesting because 
we will have conversations and sometimes you really have to figure out what the other person is saying. It's been a process, um, 28 years, I'm 28 years old and there's still things where I'm trying to figure out and understand where my brothers are coming from. But if you take enough time, you'll eventually get to this place where you realize that both of you have um, equal contributions to offer. It's just different. And so those differences can really be uh, unifying at the end of the day. And that's really the approach that we've taken as a group is how do we take our differences and apply them uh, in ways that will make us stronger at the end of the day, because one person's thinking of the harmonies and the next person's thinking of the show and the next person is thinking of the little details. So that's on a on a musical front, but then just in life in general, um, where one person will come at things from a little more empathetic standpoint, somebody else is a little more practical, somebody else, you know, JJ, oldest brother, make sure that the rails, you know, don't fall off altogether. So um, mm-hmm. I think being a youngest sibling just has those opportunities to look at the things that your older siblings have done uh positively and things that maybe you don't want to do so much (laughs) right (laughs) and then you know you have like four additional mentors um in multitudes of ways so i'm just i'm very grateful for the upbringing i had i was quite a bit younger um than all of my siblings i'm 13 years younger than jj and i am almost six years younger than brock who is the second youngest so in some ways i was kind of like an only child um so i did have a lot of independence um you know in certain seasons of my life and so um yeah it was it was interesting for sure um (laughs) i yeah i was i was like the leftovers you know just the old the leftovers. The old egg. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, I, I'm curious. I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what is the dynamic like working with your your family so closely? And I mean, this is, and I think we'll get to the coffee shop in a little bit because I I love your your story behind that. But you are in a band with all of your brothers you farm with your brothers and and your family then you're also in business with your wife with lizzie with a coffee shop and i love how interconnected your personal and professional lives are and i think it's really really inspiring but i would love to hear how you navigate some of those relationships or, you know, uh, complexities or arguments or disagreements through, through different things. Cause obviously family, you, you, uh, you handle differently than, than other people. Like I, I, I can tell you that for free right now, but how do you kind of navigate some, some of those, uh, some of those times? Three words, trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> that is the summation of it. Don't by any means have it figured out. That's for sure. Um, uh, communication is obviously just key and it's a lifelong experience. I'm learning that more and more and more and more in my marriage. It's just something where you come to the table with different vantage points and um, you just have to take enough time to be able to hear the other person. Have patience, um, obviously, because it's just, you know, decisions um, don't need to always be made right away. Um, and then there's other things that do need to happen, you know, quicker. So you have to just figure out because I'll give you a prime example. Dusty took five years to decide that he wanted to marry Suzanne. I took one year to decide I was going to marry Lizzie. (laughs) So that alone, like kind of tells you that there's a difference in our thought process and there's pros and cons to both. I think one of the unique parts about family is just when it's in your blood, you are so interconnected in ways that are 
just not really explainable. Like we will show up to a video shoot and four of the five of us will be wearing maroon. And it's like, <laughs> would any of us wear maroon like typically? And then we'll show up to the video shoot, not having talked about it. And four of us will wear the same color. And it's weird how many times we would like show up to shows without talking about what we were even going to wear. And we would be all color coordinated, like, or maybe not all wearing the same color, but it all just worked. And so I think there's yeah. just this intrinsic feeling you have inside that, oh, this person might be feeling this way and this person might be feeling this way. So you start getting, I think, better and better at anticipating um, both the needs and, um, you know, the situations uh, in advance. Um, and then if you don't understand, then you just got to talk through it. You just hash through it. So I think it's just, um, you know, growing in communication more and more and more. Right. And I mean, you talked a little bit about like personality, not tests, but you know, like the, the, we have talked about the Enneagram before (laughs) and have you gone through (laughs) that with your, like, yeah. But have you gone through that with your brothers at all? Like, is that, is that a, almost like a language of understanding everybody's personality? Do you use that in that way? Like the, Uh, the Enneagram? uh, I definitely use it as a filter for sure. Okay. I I feel like I went through a season where I was like, guys, we all need to do this because it changes your world. Like it has been the number one tool in my relationship with my wife. Um, just being able to understand and have that empathy for the other person. What I love about the Enneagram is that it creates a sphere of compassion and it Mm. helps you understand what your shadow spots and what you're not good at. Um, you know, and that's, that's humbling, but it's important to ultimately grow. Um, because sometimes I've noticed that certain tests, like they focus on, you know, all the flowery parts and it's like, that's great. That's awesome. We need to focus on the strengths, but we also need to check in with our weaknesses because those are the things that are going to pull a group apart at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, the weaknesses are going to pull any organization apart. If you cannot understand how you operate out of your weakness and your fellow worker or brother. So, um, that's what I love about that system for any of you who are interested in the Enneagram, check it out because it's very helpful. Um, yeah, so I I know that we've gone through certain things. Uh, certain bros have um, maybe jumped into a little more than others, but I'm pretty sure Dusty's a one, um, which is uh, the perfectionist. Um, I'm a two, which is the helper. JJ's a three, which is uh, the, achie- the achiever. Um, Luke is the, a six, which is the loyalist. And Brock doesn't like personality tests because he doesn't want to be put in a box. So I'm pretty sure he's a four. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think there's a good chance he's a five with a four wing because he's a mechanical genius. And so he pulls everything apart. Interesting. I think he's a five with a strong four wing, but that's my, that's my interpretation. You're not supposed to type people. So I just went (laughs) brain of the wisdom of the Enneagram, but yes, we, we, I do run things through that filter and it gives you that added level of grace where you're like right right this brother it it takes him longer to process this or this brother's probably thinking this and lots of times it's right sometimes it's not um so we were told by our dad growing up that assumptions will ruin relationships so that is like Mm. a key thing don't assume and live in assumption because it will wreck you your dad sounds like a wise wise man yes he's crazy he was a figure skater and so he was a showman did you did you know that I didn't know that. No. Yeah. He was one of the first, I think he was the second or third person in the world to attempt a backflip on ice. So he used to do it over a barrel 
Um, or maybe it was the second or third to do it over a barrel. I don't know. Maybe it was the only one. I have no idea. But it's some crazy statistic like that, um, which just suggests that he's crazy um, and <laughs> awesome. But he, uh, he he was a figure skater, showman, and then um, he met my – when him and my mom met, my mom thought that they were going to go on the ice show and travel around the world, and she had prayed very specifically she would n- not – wind up in Saskatchewan and she wound up in Saskatchewan married to a farmer. (laughs) And so she often says that God has a sense of humor. Um, and yeah. Uh, so my dad has a lot of unexpected twists and turns that kind of come out of his story. Yeah. That's amazing. Also, I love that poem. Like I'm going to have to like print that out and post it somewhere. It's a a great one. It's, it's a good, it's a good. Absolutely. Um, I want to kind of change gears a little bit. I'm, you know, we talked a little bit about the music and family and your brother, but one of yeah. my favorite things that you and I have talked about is your experience opening the coffee shop in Shonovan, Saskatchewan. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no other kind of like boutique cafe around in in the town. Right. And you went, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. But for me, I think what was really interesting and kind of the whole essence of the podcast is the why. And for you, that was community and and being able to to build community and have a place for people to gather. And also, um, you know, I love your story of being able to for you to give young artists in the community a platform to to grow and perform and stuff like that can you speak to you know the decision and and the road to the decision of kind of moving forward and, and opening the cafe and what what that's been like and that journey's been like with with you and lizzie yeah 100 percent. well it's been one of the best decisions um i think that we've ever made um i am so grateful for that space and thank you for the conversations that you and i have had you've really encouraged and advocated for um you know the different dreams that i've talked to you about um in our conversation you've just been a, a bright spot for lack of a better word in my life in that way so thank you um, it was uh, an endeavor that we started in 2017 uh, in December. Uh, my wife had approached me. Um, her name is Lizzie. She is a firecracker filled with passion. She's an entrepreneur. She's an artist. She's a dreamer. Two dreamers married each other, which is a crazy dynamic, let me tell you. That's <laughs> um, totally awesome. Uh, so she um, she approached me as I was on the field one night in, in a tractor, and she was like, look, I, I think that this is the best time um, in my life to open up a cafe. This has been my dream. We have one kid. I don't think there's ever going to be a better time. Like, let's let's step out on it. And there was a building in town that she um, had her eyes on that was um, – it was filled at the time, but she said, if it um, ever, ever comes available, um, that's where I'd lo- love to start it. And so um, we started the cafe like a month or two later and uh, just mm. dove in because it uh, became available like a few days. Actually, it was the day after she made, she made that statement. Um, it, it's it, crazy it, how that works, though. Yeah. Right? yeah like you put like, it on the, yeah, the universe and it's like, oh, you want this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. one of those things where, yeah, you learn to to not underestimate those little nudges that go on inside. And so um, for me, it was really important in my relationship that I advocate for, you know, the the things of my partner as much as I do 
the dreams, you know, in my own life and heart. Cause that mm. to me is what equality is about is, I mean, there's so much more than that, but that's one component is that, you know, it's not just my life anymore. It's this person who I'm living with and their dreams are just as important as mine. And so, um, in being two dreamers, it was really important for us to figure out how is this dynamic going to work as, you know, a national music career was unfolding. She had to sacrifice a lot. And so you hope to reciprocate that in ways. So starting a cafe in the midst of that was a crazy decision. Um, but I'm very grateful that we did. We joined in with other business partners and launched a space. Um, there wasn't a cafe that was like what we created in our town at the time. There was a local restaurant still is there today called the Harvest Eatery. Um, it's one of the best one of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at, and we have it in our small town in Saskatchewan, and it really gave a cultured experience for us in a community of 1,800 people. And it kind of, I think, gave young entrepreneurs that energy and excitement um, to dream and to bring what they were excited about to the community. And so um, we opened up the cafe, and, you know, it went very well for a couple of years it was very busy um being on the road and managing that our business partners definitely filled in the gaps when we were gone um lizzie and um her business partner whose name is megan both went through pregnancies at one point um <laughs> within the within the process and so just figuring out all the dynamics of that was um super cool um and then when covid hit um, we were faced with a whole new set of circumstances because how do you, A, keep a small business running and, you know, B, it's coffee. Like you can't run it around and still have it hot and taste what it needs to um, by the time it gets to somebody's doorstep. So you can't do the skip the dishes thing with coffee yeah. very easily. And so we were, we were confronted with a decision. Do we keep going or do we stop? And I, you know, we, we talked about it, we thought about it, we considered all of the different, you know, pros and cons and weighed it out. And I just felt in my gut, I was like, I don't feel like we've come this far to just stop. I just, I don't, I feel like that it just doesn't feel right in my spirit. And um, so Lizzie said, she's like, I feel like I've done what I need to do up to this point. If it closed, I feel like I, I lived out what I needed to. Um, but I was not so convinced that we needed to close at that point. So it was really interesting how um, things kind of just came together at that point um, to potentially open something new. So we had our eyes on another um, space in the community that we felt um, would help us expand. And we realized that the only way that we were going to make this work is if we sold more than coffee because people had bought into it, but we needed, we needed more options. So with um, our head barista's passion for coffee, Lizzie's passion for um, not only coffee, but the environment it creates and um, the boutique side of things kind of became an option where she was like, I'd really love to curate boutique items, both home and women's clothing and baby items that people can shop and have a coffee. So she brought that to the table. And I was like, well, my heart is for young artists in our community because growing up, we just didn't have a whole lot of options. Um, and so we put a little stage in the back of the cafe. We haven't been able to run a whole lot of events up to this point, but that we saw that as being an opportunity to really build community for our young artists. And then we have our local restaurant Harvest. There's multiple of them, but that specific restaurant that we love so much, we decided to partner with um, and do their lunches. 
uh, in and through uh, the cafe space. And so um, they were very gracious to give us their panini press and um, a lot of their lunch items. So we partnered with them. We partnered with another business in town. And it just ended up being this, um, you know, collective experience um, where a bunch of people's passions came together in one project. And what we've seen is that it's completely revolutionized the way that we think, the way that we approach business. Collaboration is so key moving forward that you're not, you know, viewing people as competition, but you're viewing how do we collaborate to build community. And in the sense mm-hmm. of com- community with unity, like what that means um, is that we do this together. Um, and so I, it's just been so fulfilling um, in not being able to play shows in the last year. I will just go into Meeting Grounds. That's the name of the coffee house. Um, if I'm having a bad day because my people are there, um, it's a space that we renovated in two weeks um, and flipped the space around. And um, just a group of people came together because they believed in it. And what I said to people this last year, I said, you know, we are selling coffee. We believe in selling a high quality product. You know, we sell Phil and Sebastian beans, which, um, you know, you're you're familiar yep. with. And I had Calgary, a yeah. nice coffee <laughs> over Phil and Seb coffee uh, a while back. Um, but um, more than that, I really believe that what we were selling this last year was connection because mm-hmm. we had limited capacity um, in you know, how we were able to gather, but we worked within the guidelines to figure out a way that we could still create that connection in creative and innovative ways. And so I don't think we were just a wants business this last year. I think we were a needs business. Right. So there's, I think the why is exactly that. It's connection, it's community, it's art. Um, We now have all of our baristas have their own contribution to the store. One of them has started doing charcoal art. And so when he comes into the store, he will bring, you know, one or two new pieces of charcoal art and hang them up. And people are just floored at how gifted he is at, um, you know, art and painting. And so we're a bunch of creatives that have come together and we're trying to continue to fuel our passions and find ways to allow the passion to fuel the profit and not be stuck in work that we're, you know, really wishing that we weren't a part of. But when all of you right. work together, that's how you can accomplish those things. You don't, you can expedite the process. Right. And and what's the size of, of the community around Shonovan? Well, Shonovan is about 1,800 people. Um, okay. And then there's a bunch of surrounding towns. Uh, so the southwest corner, I don't know exactly um, what that number would be. We have surrounding towns like East End and Maple Creek and um, Frontier. And so it's it's a little bit bigger than that when you accumulate all the people in the right. area. But 1,800 people live in, in the town. Which is what I love so much about, you know, taking that leap and opening the coffee shop is going, I mean... It's, it's not quite like opening something in Calgary or Toronto or Vancouver where you have you have a million plus people that could be potential customers right That's like right. you are you are really relying on the people that you're surrounded by and if you don't focus on community you, you, to me I don't see a, a way to succeed in that way right because like you said you are selling more than just coffee you're selling connection. And, yeah. and, a, and a place to connect. Um, and I also love, and, and I'd love for you to kind of speak on this too, is uh, you, you, did, you touched on it, but being able to provide a platform for local artists too. Um, yeah. And, and 
you know, I, I can't wait till Kimberly and I can come there and actually see it in, in person. But I loved the virtual tour you gave me last week of just, the, the, you know, the little stage in the corner yeah. where, you know, uh, that's where I mean, I started was in a coffee shop pretty much just playing songs that I learned. And yeah. it was a place to perform. And it, um, you know, and for that to be hosted by somebody who's who's living the dream that so many young musicians have is is amazing to me and uh i i give you props for 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 making that such a, a core piece of what you're doing but uh yeah do you mind like just speaking to that a little bit more and and how important that is to to the project as a whole no not at all that's uh, that's the area that i'm probably most passionate about um within the business and um i think i think the key component to that aspect um was just that we didn't have a lot of uh, ways to facilitate artists in our community we had mm. we have so many ways to um engage um with leisure and with sports, uh, Haley Wickenheiser is from Shaunavan. And so, um, you know, one of the greatest, uh, female hockey players, um, of all time. And so our, our, our rink is called the Wickenheiser center. We have, um, Braden Coburn came out of our uh, pocket of the province. We have all sorts of people that have actually come from Shaunavan who have gone on to do great things within their, their, uh, fields of work. Um, but I, I just was looking at our town and I was like, we, we don't have a lot for artists because I lived that story. Like when I was growing up, I had so many unbelievable opportunities. Um, and we did have piano teachers in the area, um, but it was just limited. We just had limited access, limited resources to, to do that type of thing. So in walking through that um, process, well, actually, one thing I was able to do was uh, SPS Idol. It was a singing competition when I was in grade six. Um, a mm -hmm. couple of the teachers in our elementary school gave us that opportunity. And that's probably a huge part of why I was so passionate about performing. I mean, it was in my DNA. But that was, you know, just something that could facilitate that for a few months of my life. And I loved it. So I was like, how do I reach the kids that are like me that are in this community? And I think that's that's the key is like, who's the audience at the end of the day? Who who are you going to serve and who are you going to give your 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 gifts and abilities to? And I was like, it's it's the young artists because that's who I am. Mm. And so um, in this community, I was like, okay, we don't have a lot of opportunity um, for young artists to be able to steward their, their craft. And um, so I think it was just really important to help uh, move that process along. But something I didn't want to do was just kind of sweep in and, you know, all of a sudden be like, okay, this is what we're doing. There were lots of people who were feeling the same way that I was. Um, that's what I started realizing. So I started just having coffee with people who were like-minded where they were like, mm. we, we need to engage our community this way. And so we just, and, and it's so interesting because it's, it's a, it's a fruit bowl of people. Like we are like that proverbial salad bowl of people um, who have come together and realized that we all share the same passion. And so we're actually going to be hosting an art camp later on in the summer together um, with workshops for the kids and everything. Um, and as soon as we're able to open up the stage side of things, we're going to be having poetry nights and um, musician nights. So I'll be helping coach some of those uh, kids in their, in their talents and give them a place for them to, to perform. And, um, 
you know, we had a few of those nights in our other space, but we didn't have an official stage for it. And so that's something we wanted to implement in this area. And what was also really important is that some people love to do music and art as a hobby, and that's totally fine. But there's some people who deep down really want to pursue art and music and poetry and whatever, you know, whatever craft or ability it is, um, and be able to monetize that. Mm -hmm. And quite often in small communities, music would come for free, which is fine because lots of times artists will do things that they are passionate for exposure. Getting but, paid for exposure, yeah. But you wouldn't ask a restaurant to cater a meal for free. Like, you wouldn't ask, you know, anybody um, with their business to just do something for free, typically speaking, right? Just and, and I started realizing, I'm like, we're kind of doing this to ourselves sometimes and not creating a space that we can monetize for these local artists so that, you know, even if there's only two of them in the community that want to pursue it on, on, a, on a larger scale, we need to create platforms as a community that says... You're, you're just as important as everybody else who belongs here, whether it's oil and agriculture and everything that's in this town. Um, you know, artists have that unique ability to bring people together and that ticket's worth something at the end of the day. And it's those 10,000 yeah. hours that have gone into that passion. And so that's a huge heart behind it as well is being able to put a ticket price um, on these young kids who have these abilities, help coach them and get them to a place where they can put a show on and uh, just say, hey, we see you. Totally, which I which I love. I think I, I share a very similar experience with you of having kind of that talent competition in some platforms in order yeah. to to go out and perform and and uh, you know just try things, um, whether it was like musicals or um, you know talent competitions at the Calgary Stampede, which I am. There's the, this is a whole other thing. They've defunded that program at really? the Calgary Stampede, the Calgary Stampede Talent Search. Um, and it's devastating in the way that it gives the opportunity for people to find out a who they are, um, and also grow the passion that they have. Um, I competed in that for five years, and then was on the the committee for five years after that because I believed in it so much. And it's it's amazing having that opportunity, especially in a community like you said that doesn't have a, a lot of opportunity for for outlets like that. Um, yeah, which which is amazing. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, guess I, to backpedal a slight bit yeah, while we're on the white. Well, no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, like some of this, but yeah, no, 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 no. I it's it's all it's all gold. It's all gold. Um, but it's just because we're on the, the track of the why. Yeah. And, you know, another why that I thought was really interesting that you shared with me was for you, the why behind farming and providing food and, and the, you know, being able to, if there was opportunity for, for philanthropic activities, or, you know, if, if the Hunter brothers were, were to open a foundation that, you know, food would be such a big, big piece to that. Um, you know, can, can you speak to, to that side of things a little bit more? Um, I know you were saying it's like last year, I think you guys did chickpeas. Yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's like year. it's just chickpeas, yeah. but yeah. you know it. It what what it actually provides and where it comes from. It's like that for me as a city kid was such a new thing to really consider because I hadn't really known anybody that farmed. But right. to hear you kind of talk about about that story and the why to me was super fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I never was 
super passionate about farming. It's never, you know, it, music makes me feel a different way than planting for sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's what I, what I've seen is, is so incredible um, because I've been able to have this exposure to this farming operation. Um, you know, lots of times I think that Saskatchewan and the agriculture community, there's, there's a certain rap that it has where it's like, Oh, there's nothing there. And it's like, there's so much, um, you know, just in the natural beauty in terms of the wide open spaces. Thanks, Dixie, uh, the chicks. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite songs growing up. Um, but yeah. when you when you go outside and, and whether it's the northern lights that come out or the stars or the, you know, the wide, um, vast expanse of sky, it's incredible. Um, it has its own beauty for sure. And you can breathe out here. You can think out here. Um, there's new waves of creativity that hit you and when you're singing about a back road in a country song you know exactly what back road you're singing about and you know exactly mm -hmm. what field um you're thinking of and what experience you had and those things are really sacred um so i think sometimes there's aspects that really get glossed over or you know even just the the, the fact where sometimes for farmers it's like oh you're a farmer like what else you know it's like that that's that's it and it's like farmers are typically not the types of people to go out there and try and say hey i'm like a really big deal um you know on <laughs> social media right they're yeah. out hitting their heads under um you know big things of steel and um putting putting crop in the ground and learning new technology that's something else like some of the technology involved in farming nowadays is advanced as you know a lot of other industries it's it's incredible mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you're having to, to learn new systems every year, like the, the monitor that I had to learn this year, um, you know, and work was completely different from the year before. And um, so it's really cool to see the advancements um, that have happened in agriculture. And I think that sometimes, um, yeah, the voice of uh, farmers can get lost in the mix of things. Um, and I think it's really important just to see that even though it's not my passion, um, I'm so thankful that I've had a front row seat to, um, you know, my dad's passion and my brother's within that. And I mean, it's taught a work ethic, but furthermore, um, you are, you're playing a part in helping feed the world. And that mm -hmm. is something where all of us eat food, you know, every single one of us, there's, that's something that is unifying, um, for all of humanity. And so just being able to have a small piece, um, to play in that is like, that's a huge part of the why is, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, that this is going from your fields to a table and helping people survive, right. And take that next step. And so the more that we can help in that capacity, the more we want to do, um, you know, and I think it's just obviously very important. It's been really cool um, on the music front. You know, it was a couple of years ago, we went out to Ontario and we played at a New Holland uh, trade show booth. And there were probably like a thousand people that showed up in the field that day just for a little mm. acoustic performance. And what we realized is, oh, there's this is a huge connection point with um, all of these people who love agriculture, um, but who want to connect with the musical act that is singing about the experiences that they legitimately have in the field and on Absolutely. the floor. 
And so I think once again, it comes back to the audience. It comes back to the why. Um, and that why is synonymous with a lot of other people. So, um, I think it's just a really cool, um, narrative to be able to be a part of and to be able to share that, um, with fellow farmers, but also to people like yourself who just find it fascinating. Yeah. I, I, again, for me, and this has kind of been a string throughout this whole conversation is, is authenticity too. And, and <laughs> like, we, I know, I don't, I don't even think the word has really come up. Um, but it's, that's also something that I love about your music and your brand as a whole, especially within the music world and entertainment as a whole. It is so easy to lose sight of who you are when you're trying to chase recognition. And it's, I mean, we, we kind of went through it. We were very conscious of it within leaving Thomas to try and be true to who we were and be authentic and leverage our personalities and, and that kind of spill into our music. Um, and it, it, it just is hard when you want to, to build, build a career because you need to connect with people and, you know, if, if you're trying to chase something that somebody else is doing, um, it may come across as inauthentic and or disingenuous and it just doesn't ring true. But that, it's something that I love about what you and your brothers have been able to do with your music is, and honestly, I've heard, uh, I've, I've heard your, your manager, uh, Ron Kitchener also say this is that it's, you know, you're the most genuine act <laughs> that you will ever see because you're singing about things that you actually care about. You're singing about things that are actually a part of your life. Um, and, and you carry that through everything that you do, which is, which is amazing. Um, and I mean, even, even down to the, uh, you know, hard dirt for me was so timely when you released it. And, personally is my favorite song that you, that you have released. Um, and I, I, I'd love to hear the story behind that because it ties in the farming, it ties in music, you know, but it ties in the times that we were in. Um, yeah. Like speak to the, to the story of that song. Well, yeah. And thank you for your kind words like that. <laughs> a lot. I appreciate that, Brayton. And um, to speak to, to your group, I always, I, I felt the same way about you and Annika with leaving Thomas. I could just tell that there was this genuine passion behind what you did. And I remember seeing, you know, in some article how it said, you know, friendship was one of the, the key components. Mm. And um, you two were, you know, different people, but um, you could tell that you genuinely, you know, exercised that um, in whatever you did, whether it was your social presence or on the stage. So I just right back at you. I, I loved watching um, those components just unfold so naturally. Um, so you guys Thank had discovered you. your why like early on, <laughs> it carried through. So um, yeah, Hard Dirt is also one of my favorite songs um, to date that we've ever been able to put out. I think it just checked all of the boxes. Uh, for all of us on so many levels um, because, you know, Hard Dirt is, uh, it, it paints a picture right away. Um, and in saying I grow better in Hard Dirt, um, you know, obviously that's that's not the case if it's hard for too long. Um, it does need rain and it needs wind and it needs, um, 
you know, moisture uh, in order for a seed to grow. And that process is so fascinating to watch. There are so many parallels between seeds in the field and uh, human beings. And that was like the parallel that was drawn um, in this song is that when we go through difficult times, when the sun comes out and it just keeps beating down, um, you know, you you grow um, resilience in that time and, and struggle ultimately makes you stronger. It's, it is our scars. It is our hard, our hardships in life. And we all have them. Let's be honest. Um, sometimes it's really hard to be vulnerable and to be authentic with those things. Um, just up front with a world that seems to be so interconnected. Um, but when you do, um, put yourself out there and you say, Hey, you know what? This is the difficulty I'm facing. I have to embrace it, but I know that this is going to make me stronger on the other side. Um, that's what the, that song really encompassed. It was, it's really about, it is about, you know, um, plants growing out in the field, but that's really <laughs> just the metaphor of the human heart. Um, mm. and I think it, even the, the artwork on that, it, it took a while to really decide on the artwork. It's a, it's a fingerprint tree. So it's a, it's a thumbprint, um, that makes up the leaves of a root system. And you'll see that in the image, the root system isn't too deep yet. Um, and so, um, with roots, obviously it takes a long period of time for them to, to grow. And it oftentimes will mirror the, the, the top of the plant, um, you know, under the, under the surface as well. And so you'll see that we were going through this massive transition with COVID. So it felt like everybody had kind of just been like recently transplanted in some yeah. way shape, or form. Um, and then the fingerprint really represented that each one of us on the planet have our own individuality. Um, but at the end of the day, coming through those hardships, through those struggles, you'll ultimately be stronger on the other side, especially as you tap into the community and the voices around you that actually are different. And once again, it just kind of encompassed who the Hunter brothers were and us being very different people, but coming together um, on the flip side. And that's what we've done this last year. You know, we've learned things about ourselves that we never knew uh, existed. Um, you know, you have to look through um, in the challenging circumstances, you have to look at the uh, the lessons that um, need to be learned in that season. And there can always be that positivity that comes out the other side. Um, and so it's not necessarily that the situations are positive in and of themselves, but it's the fact that they can lead you to something greater. So what's crazy about the song itself is we actually, um, that song was produced by Hunter Hayes. Mm -hmm. um, and to back up a little bit, uh, it's just kind of a freaky story because I put in a notebook that I had written out like years ago, like five or six years ago, Brighton, I wrote in a notebook um, that I wanted to collaborate with these following artists. And Hunter Hayes was the first person that I had put on that list for some reason at that time. Mm. And so I dug that notebook out and found it after we had collaborated with him. And I made a point of calling him and just telling him that um, I said, this is super crazy, but this is like, it's like I, <laughs> I put that out there and it happened, you know, which is super cool. Um, so I'm a huge advocate of people not giving up on their dreams. That's for sure. Cause you just never know what can happen. Sometimes you don't even remember what all you've asked for, but um, my wife, Lizzie is uh, she's not the biggest country music fan. I'll be honest. Um, she would yeah. be okay with me saying that. <laughs> when we first were dating, um, if you went onto her website, she was a photographer, still is a photographer. It had said that she loved listening to Hunter Hayes. And so the song Tattoo became like the song that threaded us together. I remember after I asked her out, um, heading home from Airdrie, Alberta, and just being in this state of euphoria, where I was like, yeah, like she said, yes. And I listened to that song on repeat 
over and over and over again. So the fact yeah. that Hunter Hayes has now played a part in this story just feels like it came full circle. And no so we were recording the song um, in Nashville in February of last year. We knew that it was going to be the next single. We had already decided that pre pre COVID. We're like, we feel like we need a message song. We feel like we need to put something out there that really speaks to the heart of who we are. And um, that was the song. Um, and we recorded not all the vocals, but we got it started with Hunter when we were in Nashville. And on the last day that we were in Nashville, the day before we left, we also wrote a song called Just Wanted You to Know. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just touch on that really quickly, too, because I was laying in bed one night. Um, it was the night before the right, and it was the night before the last right in Nashville. And I was feeling off. I was like, something's not okay in my spirit. And and Lizzie said to me, she's like, are you doing okay? I was like, no, 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 something, something's going on. So I rolled over in, in my bed and I grabbed my phone. And it was like one of those moments where the antenna is up and all the lyrics just downloaded onto my phone in five minutes. I wrote a song in five minutes. I closed the phone, felt better. I went to bed. I felt that I was burdened, not for myself, but for somebody else. Woke up the next morning and I went back and reread the lyrics and I was like, hey, they all actually make sense. I didn't know if it would make sense at 11 o'clock at night before, you know, so I, uh, I looked, I was like, it all makes sense. I went into the writing room and unbeknown to me, JJ had been noodling around with a melody line on his acoustic guitar two days before um, that ended up being the music for that. Dusty brought in the melody line and Victoria Banks and Robin Collins helped thread the song um, into something that was a little bit different from how it was originally written. I still have the original lyrics in my phone that really speak to the heart of you hurting for somebody else, like kind of just Mm -hmm. the the, the message of empathy. But we wanted to make it more um, about not not just that, that it would encompass that and um, be about the person who is in the circumstance hurting, but knowing that like something, something's off and as brothers, we feel that we, you know, we'll feel that something's off with the other, other brother. And um, so we wrote that song, recorded the beginning of Hard Dirt, headed back to Canada. I get a uh, Facebook notification three days later that Victoria Banks, who wrote on the song, just wanted you to know, had a tornado go through um, her yard and a tree like crashed on her house. And um, I listened back to this voice memo of just wanted you to know and listened back to the lyrics and was like, we just wrote this with her. And it's like, this could not be more accurate for what is transpiring. Mm -hmm. And so um, we didn't know what we were going to do with that song. And we decided, Hey, let's put it out because when then COVID COVID happened and we were like, okay, well, we have this song. We're going to put this out here, not as a single, um, but we think that it will relate with a lot of people. So we put it out and the amount of messages that just flooded in of people you know, saying like, this helped me not commit suicide. This helped me do Mm. this. This helped me this, 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 this. It was overwhelming. And just knowing that that song came from such an authentic place um, and that Hard Dirt ended up being the single, um, which literally speaks to, you know, (laughs) walking through hardship and struggle and coming, coming out stronger. So the fact that those two songs were the two songs that we released to the world in 2020, I don't think that was... A coincidence i will say that and so no I kidding the message of those two songs it was like just wanted you to know was the empathy portion and hard dirt was the hold on to hope portion and they just worked so well together 
That's, and I'm just, I'm just so grateful. Like those are the moments that's, that's, that's the why, like if, if we bring this around to what you're doing this for and the fact that it's about the why that right there just encompasses why you do this, you know, I'm it kidding. is, it is a very tiresome career. Like you spend a lot of time away from your family. Um, you love it. You're passionate about the art and the music itself. But underneath that, that why of connecting with people and helping them take that next step forward and feeling like they're not alone through the gift of music is is like that's a huge part of the why. That's you've told me that story before, but it is one of my favorites. It's and it's for anybody who is not a songwriter as well. The fact what's so crazy to me is that what you wrote those two songs in like two days or you or you had just recorded Hard Dirt. Yeah. And then, right. So the, the fact like you, the number of songs that we have in the can that never got recorded, (laughs) right? Like it, 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 it's fascinating how sometimes the ones that just need to come out, come out and, and they come out with ease because they needed to. Yeah, totally. Um, those are the ones that I think are, are incredibly special, which is, which is amazing. Something else that Hunter Hayes also said too that I thought was really amazing. He he had never done we had never had a producer actually sit us all down and go through each brother's passions for music. Mm. All of us sit down on the couch and he was like, you know, what what were your favorite albums of all time? Who's your favorite artist of all time? And he listened to each one of us talk and then brought that all together in the production aspect. So that's why I think there was, there was an authenticity in that track in particular that I don't think um, has ever happened before because I feel like he was just so in tune with knowing how to pull that out of each of us. And so that was really cool. But something else he said is the, the threads of all of those songs that you've written or those pieces <clears throat> that maybe haven't found their place yet, they do have a place in the story. They'll eventually connect you just might not be able to see it right away. So I have all of these notes where I'm like, that's exactly what happens. You'll all of a sudden have this idea that'll hit you and it's not a song yet. But then two years later, um, a circumstance happens and it's like those words will come back to you. And there's a reason as to why it was sitting in your brain two years before is because you were going to walk through an experience that spoke to that um, and you were going to live it out. Um, So it's crazy how that happens. Yeah, no kidding. One of my favorite pieces about interviews is like, and having done a ton of them with radio and everything, is is the rapid fire piece. So we're gonna get to that in a second. We're gonna start start to wrap up there. We're going so that way. we're gonna Let's go that go. way here in a second. But one thing I wanted to touch on before before we get there is your social media presence, both as you and and the Hunter Brothers account is one of the most entertaining things to follow ever. And one of, one of my favorite, one of my favorite posts that you guys did. And I need to know how this happened was the tower of pianos. (laughs) How did I know you were going to say that? (laughs) And I, I mean, you alluded to obviously every, every one of you learned piano, but Who's a whose idea was it to stack five pianos on top of each other? B, how did you do it? And I guess C is why. <laughs> um, why is because we're idiots. Can I say that? It was probably one of the stupidest things we've ever done. Don't try that at home. Um, but okay, well, 
we've had a few ideas with pianos and we used to in our gospel show back in the day we had this number where um you know i would go to the piano and i would play and then a brother would join in and then they'd kick the other ones off and we had three on at a time and then eventually it led to all five of us playing on the piano at one time and so we did this for a number of years we carried that into our country show for a period of time actually too and all five of us would be on one piano so one day we're just sitting in the shop and we're brainstorming over some ideas and there were some other things that came out of that brainstorm uh, session that I'm not going to say yet because they haven't happened yet. Um, they were maybe a little milder version of the piano. <laughs> so that was, those were kind of the original ideas. I'm not going to say that yet, but Brock and I have this weird, I don't know, brotherly banter that we go back and forth on. It's just natural. It happens when we're out in the field. Like um, we'll take a word that's, um, you know, that somebody says that maybe they haven't used it in the right context. And then we'll just keep throwing it in as a pun and go back and forth. And um, we'll do these like little weird things like as brothers. So um, we're standing up in the shop and we're talking about this piano idea. Brock all of a sudden gets this look on his face. It was the look. And he was like, I wonder what happened if you put like a piano on top of another piano? No, wait, what if you put five pianos on top of each other and had everybody playing them simultaneously? And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) I just rolled with it. I was like, do you, do you want me to, put this out on this site called Shonovan Observers. Okay, there's a site called Shonovan Observers, which is my hometown observation site. Um, you guys say more. Um, and I put out this statement that said, does anybody have upright pianos that they would like to give away? And I did this within minutes of the conversation. And I kid you not, Brighton, in like five minutes, I had like 18 to 20 responses saying like, I have a piano, I have a piano, come take mine, please come take mine. So I was like, oh, well, apparently this is the question that everybody has been waiting to be asked. Everybody's got pianos that they want to give away in shot of it. So we started, we got the guys on the horn. We said, okay, guys, we're going to stack five pianos on top of each other. And our work crew here at the farm, Brock all of a sudden started orchestrating the details where he's like, okay, we're going to need this type of lumber. Again, he's brilliant with mechanics. So he's like, we're going to need this type of lumber. We're going to have to go get the flat deck trailer, put this stuff on, and then we're going to do this, 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 this. Basically came up with the blueprint um, in, in the course of a couple minutes. And I started making contacts with all these people in Shaunavid about their upright pianos. And so we took the brothers around town and go start putting pianos in the back of a half ton. And these things are massive, like mammoths. Like they probably weighed like a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds. Oh, upright and pianos are crazy. Yeah, right? they're crazy, right? Because they're from like way back in the day when things were just made like, you know, so solid. And I um I got to this one lady's house and she was like, so what are you going to be doing with this? And I was like, um, like, do you really want to know? She's like, well, she's like, I don't really care. I was like, okay, okay, well, that's good. I'm like, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna destroy it. But I said, there might be a few, uh, screw holes put in the top of it. And she was like, okay. So I, I I didn't go too much further. I said, we're not going to push it off a cliff or anything, but I didn't tell her what we were doing with it. And then we brought them all back to the home yard and started stacking them one on top of the uh, one on top of the other um, with a series of mechanisms, with some tractors, with some lifts, with a crane, um, and put them all on top of each other. Attached them to a wooden backing and put five on top of each other. 
and then made little platforms and decided that all of us would play simultaneously, um, but on different pianos instead of just on one. So we did this little Scottish jig. We have a Scottish heritage. And so we decided to do this little Scottish jig at the same time. And I don't remember exactly how it was decided who would go on the top and who would go on the bottom. I actually think the bottom was probably the most unsafe position. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rob wound up on the top, then Luke, then me, then Dusty, and then JJ. And I distinctly remember like this, this thing was like kind of swaying a little bit and Luke starts stomping on the platform above me. And I was like hitting the platform, like, stop it, stop it. Like he was just trying to mess with me. And we get through this thing probably like four or five times. I uh, had my buddy come and film it and record it. And it was with the drone and stuff too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, yeah. he actually was in a bucket of a tractor and he was uh -huh. like, being like transferred back like this and so we just makeshift stuff we try and come up with new creative ways to do it because if you don't have the equipment and usually you can't go and rent it in shonovan so you got to come up with your own way of doing it so yeah come up with some techniques played five pianos at the same time put it out as a celebration because i think that year we were nominated for three ccma awards and so that was our celebration post um and uh the rest is history we have more ideas in the bag and i'm I'm very curious as to how they unfold. <laughs> I'm excited. So if if you don't already follow the Hunter Brothers, you gotta go. You gotta go do it just just to see the next crazy thing that they do with pianos. <laughs> You'll never know. You never know. You never know. You never know. Well, we're we're gonna start to wrap up here. But like I said, this is this was always my favorite part of interviews. Mm -hmm. was being put on the spot, having to come up with random answers to random questions. Um, and I had a lot of fun putting these together. I think what's going to happen is I'm just going to answer or ask every guest the same questions. And it's not really rapid fire because they start off pretty rapid, but then they get a little deeper <laughs> the further okay. you go down. So I'm really excited to to hear your answers to these. So are are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. It hurts. I don't think okay. I slept enough last night, but let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So the first one's pretty generic. I feel like for podcasts, they ask this all the time, but what is one book you feel that everyone should read? Wow. That's a big question. Um, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Awesome. What is your favorite song? Um, I would say September by Earth, Wind & Fire is the first one that hits me. But Ooh. I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan, so there's a lot of his hits that I absolutely love. I, don't I feel like you and Annika could jive on that forever. Oh, could Stevie we ever. Wonder. I, I, <laughs> and then I was I was raised on Motown, so that's, that's nice. what dad raised me on. There you go. Uh, salty snack or sweets? Oh, salty. Easy. Okay, what's, what's your favorite salty snack? Um, I now really like the... Uh, Spicy dill pickle Miss Vicky's chips is my new favorite. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like dangerous. There you go. Dangerous. Or full plate of broiled nachos at night. Just a big old <laughs> gut bomb. So you feel horrible. You gut bomb. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard that term, and I oh, love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big old garbage gut over here. There you go. Uh, lazy beach vacation or a tra crazy travel adventure? 
uh, crazy travel adventure for sure. Nice. Do you have a favorite yeah. destination that you would like to to go to in a crazy? I, I really, I really want to go to Cedar Point, um, which is I think it has some of the most roller coasters in all the world. I just want to go on roller coasters all day. And then I really, my dad has agreed to take me to Vegas to just go and see shows as a father son experience, and we haven't cool. done that yet. Um, but that'll be happening hopefully very soon. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a dream car? Um, I'm not as much of a vehicle person as most people are. I will, I will admit, I would rather like get like something that has good fuel economy and put my money elsewhere. But I remember, I remember going to a Barrett Jackson car show. I think I was more enamored with the fact that Jordan Sparks was on the stage than I was. <laughs> I, 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 I was like a big American Idol fan as a kid growing up. Yeah. And so I was standing behind her in a, uh, an elephant ears lineup. And I, I didn't actually have the audacity to go and talk to her, but I did see uh, a car that I liked. It was called a Lotus Avora. There you go. There you go. Um, favorite local small business in your hometown? I feel like it's cheating if you if you say uh, meeting grounds. So no, I'm I'll, curious I'll say Harvest you... Eatery. Harvest Eatery. There you go. Yeah. Harvest Eatery. Um, one quote that you live by. Well, I gave you the poem. I gave you the been a minute. You did. I've been a minute poem. Sorry. Life is just a minute. <laughs> I gave you that poem. Um, that's definitely one that I, um, that I live by. Uh, I think just like it, it, it's very generic, but treat others as you would want to be treated. I think it's mm. just it's kind of that golden rule, you know, be kind always. There's no, no reason ever to treat another human being poorly. And so um, I think I always try to, see the best in people. And, um, that's, that's a philosophy I try to live by when I'm behind the coffee counter. Um, my, my friend, um, who stands behind me, he always, whenever I give a compliment to a customer, he tells them that I say that to everybody. And I'm like, I do not (laughs) have to, and it turns into this banter. I won't say something that I don't mean. Um, but I will try and find something to say that's positive. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, so now we're going to get a little bit deeper. Who is someone that you would want to thank for helping you get to where you are today and why? Oh, my mom, for sure. Yeah, my mom is like, she's been like a safe place for me. She's the reason that I'm doing music, that I've pursued creativity to the degree I have. Um, You know, I have both of my parents to thank um, for, you know, different reasons. Um, I have a very, very special place in my heart um, for her just because it's like our, you know, we're just two peas in a pod and I'm very, very thankful for all the sacrifice knowing that, you know, she wanted to be an actress. Maybe she still will be. Um, she directed plays and, you know, used her creativity in so many ways, but I feel like she put a lot of it on hold, um, so that, you know, I can walk in what I am today. And there, I just, you know, I, I can't say thank you enough. That's awesome. Love that. Gotta love the mamas. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is if, there was a piece of advice that you could share with your younger self. What would it be? That is the classic podcast question, isn't it? (laughs) I'm down pat by now. Um, (laughs) I think one of the first things that hits me is go for it. 
I think mm-hmm. there's been a lot of times I, I have lived a crazy life. Like I, I don't, the amount of things I've been able to experience um, has been insane. And I'm very, very thankful. There's things that I think I wish I would have stepped out in maybe a little bit sooner. Um, and something that I'm really learning is that indecision makes decisions. And so I think that's something that I would tell my younger self is um, don't allow indecision to make the decision for you. Um, Because uh, I think then that's where you start allowing regret to creep in. Um, And so, and not that you should necessarily do that. It's just easy to, to feel that guilt then if you don't actually step out um, in, in ways that you wish you would have. Um, And I, been fortunate to be able to do a lot of things. I still, I still, you know, go after my dreams pretty fully. Um, but there are things maybe I wish I would have done a little sooner. It's a great one. That is a great one. Um, well, like that's that's rapid fire. You did quite well. Well done. Thank you. Um, that one seven second pause. Yeah, <laughs> that's all good. Um, I know that you guys, like before we wrap up, I know you guys have new music coming out here. Yeah. Soon. I know we're, we're recording in, in June, but this is likely going to go live in July. So I okay. know the music will probably be out already. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, maybe maybe give your little spiel on, on the new music that's coming out, where they can find it, when it's coming out, all that yeah. jazz. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we have a new record coming out. It is called Been a Minute. And it is uh, on the heels of our single right now, which is also called Been a Minute. Um, we released one track called Ask Her to Dance already from the project, um, which is one that means a lot to us. Um, it's all about, uh, I think, just being in the moment of life um, and stepping out in courage and you know asking your person to dance because uh, you never know when the song's going to end. And so I think that, um, yeah, just being in the moment has been... Uh, a theme over the last year and a half and not being able to play shows, not being able to, you know, go after things the same way. Um, it's allowed us to really, um, sit back in the pocket of things that really matter at the end of the day. So I think a lot of the the songs really speak to, uh, that sentiment. Um, there's still lots of fun up-tempo classic Hunter Brothers tracks on it. I'm super excited for everybody to hear it. Uh, you can go to our website, hunterbrothers.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple music, get it on iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, all that fun stuff. And uh, we are very excited to hit the road again and perform all these new songs for everybody. So it's coming soon. No kidding. That's exciting. Well, Ty, again, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to to chat and connect. And uh, again, like I said, I'm so grateful for, for our friendship and to be able to to continue that. I'm, I'm excited. Um, and we will have to make it out to Shaunavan, Saskatchewan, to finally actually see Meeting Grounds in person and taste that uh, that amazing coffee and these sandwiches and these paninis that you keep posting that look so delicious. So, uh, mm-hmm. you yeah. won't be disappointed. No, I know no. I won't be. <laughs> I, no, the honor is mine. Honestly, I truly, truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. Your friendship has meant so much to me over the you know last couple of years, but over the last year especially. So thank you for um, following up and being willing to do this. And, um, you know, I just look forward to whatever the future has in store for you and for, um, you know, everybody moving forward. Me too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ty. 
Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of At The Heart Of It. If you really liked this episode, there was a lot more where that came from. We're going to have new episodes dropping every single week. So be sure to subscribe and like, depending on where you're listening to this. Then you won't miss out on any of the amazing interviews that we have coming up in the near future. So thank you again so much for listening. We can't wait to be back next week with another amazing guest right here on At The Heart Of It. Oh, and by the way, the song that I will be using in this season of At The Heart Of It is actually a song that was recorded by Leaving Thomas, which was the duo that I was a part of with Annika Odegaard. And she has brand new music that's out as well. So be sure to check her out. Annika is the stage name that she's going under. That's her first name also. And uh, if you want to listen to the full tune uh, of I Want to Be It All and not just the instrumental, be sure to check out I Want to Be It All by Leaving Thomas on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to your jams. And that wraps up the first ever episode of At the Heart of It with Bright and Thank you so much for listening.